Matthew 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So when I was when I was talking about some of the, um, but by the way, that's one of my favorite verses of the Bible. That that is really the call. That's the call that's upon all to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. And when I talked about that, that there's some abuses in the church. One of the abuses in the church is we only preach the benefits and we don't preach the cross. I mean, uh, I told my wife, I'm, I'm thinking about giving up television for 2016 as kind of an experiment. Not that I think that gains me anything with God. Um, but as an experiment, and part of that is I see so much nonsense on Christian television. It's not just the bad stuff that the, that the world's putting out there. There's a lot of nonsense of the Christian church. And there, there's a lot of places where it's, it's all about you. It's not all about you. It's all about Jesus. But they'll preach, you know, get your miracle, get your blessing, get your breakthrough, get, your, get this, get that, get this, get that. But it's not about dying. And that's what you've been called to do. You've, not, you've been called to die. This is not a, Flip Benham, uh, he says, uh, it's fun to follow Jesus till you find out where he's going. <laughs> where do you think he's going? You're taking up a cross and you're following him. Guess where they, he's going? He's going to die and you're going with him. That's the gospel. But we just, we're just teaching benefits. Do you know that um, every once in a while I see this on TV and I'm just amazed by it but there'll be some soldier who is like i didn't know i was gonna have to go to like in being combat i just signed up for to go for college it's called the a-r-m-y army what did you think you were signing up for it's the army if you just want benefits go work for general motors it's the army you've been called to be in a battle to, to, to believe in something bigger than yourself and to die. That's what you've been called to do. Why are you surprised that, that, that that's the requirement now? This is the re- it's getting quiet in here. I kind of like it. Maybe that, gr- gr- that gravitas is here. Amen. In the Luke's version of the scripture, it says, take up your cross daily. And follow me. Paul said, I die daily. We're called to die. You know, there's this guy that went to the abortion clinic in Colorado and he killed people. I'm a Christian. I'm not called to kill people. I'm called to die. I'm not called to kill. I'm called to die. That's what we're called to do. This denying ourselves. You know, sometimes... uh, when we think of denying ourselves, we think of um, denying ourselves things. If it doesn't say deny yourself things, I mean, that might be part of it. 
but it says deny yourself. Deny yourself. So your dreams are unimportant. Like really, get over yourself. Like your dreams are not important. And I'll tell you that there's, there's good news. I mean, I know this is kind of weighty, but there's good news in that too because God's dreams for you are better than your dreams for you. I had a friend of mine, he said, <laughs> and this is, a, he says, God, I'll do anything you ask me to do except be a missionary. I'm not doing that, right? And this is a guy who really would do anything that God asked him to do. So six months later, he's in the Philippines, <laughs> he's on a motorcycle, and he's got a backpack full of Bibles that he's taken to a village that hasn't heard the gospel in 20 years. And the last time they heard the gospel, there was a missionary there who was sleeping with all the women in the village, right? So he's going there with these Bibles, and he's riding this motorcycle through the jungle, and it's beautiful. It's like Garden of Eden. And he comes to the top of a hill, and he stops at the top of the hill, and he can see the ocean, and it's, you know, the ocean has just that blue color. It's just like, it's just, it's awe-inspiring. You just think of God when you see that color. God made you that way, by the way, to, to respond to color that way. And he sees that, and that's what the Lord spoke to him. My dreams for you are bigger than your dreams for you. But we're called to the cross. We're called to the cross. The, the Bible often warns us against what's called vain imaginations. Have you ever thought about that? What are vain imaginations, right? So a vain imagination puts you in the center. It's a fantasy world where you're the center of it. And you know, that fantasy world can be very religious, right? It can be, yeah, I'm preaching to, I got a stadium full of people and I'm, I'm preaching to thousands and like, but you won't get up your butt and go down the street corner and talk to the one guy at the bus station. Why? Oh, that's scary. Well, you're just living in vain imaginations. You know, most of those guys that actually do get to preach to thousands, preach to thousands one at a time on the street corners. They paid their dues. They took up their, they denied themselves. They denied their vain imaginations. They took up their cross and they followed Jesus. And by the way, preaching to a stadium full of people is not, any, is not an indication that you have the anointing of God on you. Because some people take shortcuts, right? They use worldly marketing techniques to get people to fill in the stations. Or they go to somewhere where there's nothing going on, but, the, you know, there's some parts of the world people are going to come just because there's nothing else to do, right? It's true. It's true. You can go to India, you can fill up a station like a stadium like that. Right? They just come, oh, there's nothing. It's like going to the movies or something. Right? And then the evangelists, they come in, they have their picture taken, they they put it in their newsletter when they ask for a bigger offering and, and they leave. Right? They don't stay, they don't disciple, they don't suffer, they don't take up that daily cross with the people there. So having a stadium full of people, it's it's sometimes it's just the it's just the fruit of your vain imaginations. We're called to die. We're called to die. I I was uh, um, part of that denying ourselves too, is that 
uh, I, I see sometimes that people confuse uh, justification with sanctification, right? That's really the big problem with it. There's a lot of kind of a hyper-grace uh, teaching going on, and it's, they confuse justification with sanctification. So the minute you're saved, you're justified, right? But that's not sanctification. Sanctification is, it, it, you know, you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling, it's a call to holiness. It's a call to godliness. Uh, and that's some, sometimes that's a thing you have to learn, and you have to learn how to walk in it. Uh, I, was, uh, I had a dramatic conversion. Like, I was a hippie. I was living on the street. And my conversion was, like, like dramatic. And people will go, well, uh, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but people, I've talked to people who got saved, like, who didn't have a dramatic conversion. They got saved when, like, when they were six years old, like, in, and they've been in church all that. And they envy me, my dramatic conversion. I'm like, do you know why my conversion was dramatic? Because I was so wicked. I was such a child of disobedience that God had to just basically slap me down to get my attention. I would trade your experience for my experience any day. Any day, because... You were tender-hearted at a young age. And you yielded to God. And you avoided some of the suffering that sin brings. I'd trade your testimony any day. Think about Paul. God had to knock him off his horse and blind him. Think about how hard-headed he was. I was like, the only way I can get through this guy is to knock him off his horse and blind him and leave him blind for a couple of days, right? I'm going to leave him that way. He said, you know, that was Paul. Well, look what God did with Paul. Do you notice that, that the, the story of Paul's experience on the road to Damascus, Paul repeats it over and over and over again. It just isn't in the Bible one time. It was something that transformed him not just in the justification part, but in the sanctification part. We need to learn to walk in godliness and holiness. Is that just for our benefit? No, it's it, being absolved from sin. We're, we're absolved from sin not just to feel good about ourselves. right? You will feel good about yourself. But that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is we serve a holy God. You can't come to a holy God and serve a holy God with unclean hands and an unclean heart and an unclean mind. You need that sanctification to serve him and to, and, and to, to serve his kingdom. So all through the Bible, we're called to, 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 to seek godliness and to seek holiness, and that's what grace is for. It's not just that it, that it washes our sins away, but it, it empowers us. Grace empowers us to walk in his ways. Paul says uh, um, that the greatest thing in Philippians, he says, and to know him and the power of his resurrection. And a lot of times we just stop there because that's pretty good, right? It's great to know God and the power of his resurrection. And then he says, in the fellowship of his suffering, 
being made conformable unto death. Well, there's the other there's the other part of it. That's where that that waiting, that seriousness, like like we're called to die. We're called to die. It isn't all just about the benefits. But you know, God, God, He trains us. You know, He doesn't expect you to have it all like I'll give you, I use the example of like somebody who joins the military. The minute that you raise your right hand and you swear, you, you know, you have to swear this oath of allegiance to, to the Constitution and to the United States. The minute you that, you're a soldier, right? But you're not a real soldier, right? You're just a civilian who is now on that team, Right, but if you had to like that minute, like walk out the door and fight somebody, you're 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 not equipped. You're not equipped. But so God has called you into an army. He's you know He's called you to be a soldier. And what and what does the scripture say? That if you're called to be a soldier in God's army, you don't entangle yourself with the things of this world. But you you live a life that would please the one who has called you to be a soldier. So so that's that called it to. To sanctification, we're in a fight. Uh, it, it, the other thing too, I said about uh, sobriety. The scripture says, "Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour." Okay, now I've heard many sermons on these scriptures. I've heard people say that uh, he's not a real lion. He's a toothless lion. He's this. Uh, listen, uh, I was an English major. I know how metaphors work, right? You're comparing like things, not unlike things. When it says that he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, he's out there devouring. He's out there gobbling people up, pick up a newspaper, turn on the television set. What happened in San Bernardino? That was a work of the devil. That was the work of the devil. Terrorists, these are works of the devil. He is out there devouring people. And, he, and we're to be sober and to be vigilant. You know, it doesn't say, yeah, he doesn't really devour him. He's out there seeking whom he may devour. My friends, the Scope Guards and, and the Marples are here. And, and uh, we, we, these are, uh, Keith Tusi says, Find your tribe. Find the tribe that God wants you in and join it. Well, this is my tribe here. Like, so so the, uh, I stand with them uh, outside a, a abortion mill, usually four days a week. Vivian is always there, always there. And we see, we see people being devoured. We witness it. It's 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 the truth. It's happening. You know, God has called us not... It, it, another one of my favorite verses in the Bible is uh, John 1.14. Um, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the church has a responsibility to, to 
preach grace and truth. Not just grace and not just truth, but grace and truth. And so Jesus had that. Like everything Jesus said was full of grace and truth. So there were signs that Jesus, like the grace is obvious, right? So, so when, when Jesus is, um, uh, you know, they're going to stone, stone this woman for, for adultery. And, he's, and, and he puts a stop to it. He intervened and put a stop to it. And then he says, go and sin no more. The grace is obvious there. But there was also a truth in it, right? He didn't say, got it covered. Go back to living your life the way you were living it. He says, go and sin no more. So there's truth in that. When he dealt with Pharisees and he said some really harsh things to the Pharisees, like your father, your father isn't Abraham, your father's the devil. That's hard. That's hard. That's not the way that we usually think about, like going and ministering to people. But there was, and that's and it's truth. It's hard truth. But there was grace in that, because they were like the they were like well, Paul called himself the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? He got knocked off his horse. There, that there was that mindset. There's people that just need a shaking, like they just need like, hey, stop that. Don't do that. Like that's wrong. You know that you know what? It, this is kind of easy if you've ever had children. <laughs> if you have children and you're raising children, you understand how grace and truth mix. Right? Grace and truth mix. So if I say to my if I if I see one of my kids and they're running towards the traffic, right? And I yell, "Stop!" There's grace in that, right? That's what they need. And sometimes we need to, the church needs to tell the culture, stop. This is sinful, and it brings judgment on our nation. Do you ever notice that in the Bible, we all will be judged, right? But nations are judged in the earth. Nations are judged in heaven. Nations receive their judgment in the earth. So you never see a scenario where... where it's uh, God's throne, and God says, all right, all the Germans step forward. I'm going to judge you now. You don't see that. You don't see it. Like it, when Before God, we're judged as individuals, but nations are judged here. You see it over and over and over again with Israel and Judah, right? So God sends them to the prophets, and, the, and there's grace and truth in it. Repent. Turn back to God. Don't go the way you're going, you know, or judge, the judgment of God will come upon you. And sometimes they listened and sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they did things where the judgment came anyway. There's things that you can do that bring judgment anyway. Okay, so King Josiah has this nationwide revival and he tears down all the altars of Baal and he tears down all the, the houses of the Sodomites. He tears all that down. And the Bible said he's the greatest king there ever was before or after him, not counting Jesus, of course. But he was better than David. He was better than Solomon. He was the greatest king that they ever had. And, and then the prophet comes and says, but because your grandfather shed innocent blood, 
I still have to judge the nation. I'll just wait till you're dead. When you die, but, but because I can't, he says, I can't forgive that. I have to judge the nation for that. You know, we've killed 57 million unborn babies in this country. There's judgment coming. We're already seeing it, right? The, so the prophet Micah says, blood touches blood. If you shed blood, you reap what you sow. So let me ask you something. Since Roe versus Wade, are we a more violent society or a less violent society? There's, there's a shedding of blood everywhere in this country. You got people killing cops and cops are killing people and... You know, we got terrorists, and we got this, and there's blood touches blood. I heard uh, recently a guy say, um, he said, uh, you know, uh, judgment is coming on America, but don't worry, it won't touch the church. It won't touch us. All right? So let me ask you something. When God judged Nazi Germany, and the bombs rained down on Nazi Germany, are you telling me there weren't any Christians in those cities? There weren't any Christians in Hamburg and Dusseldorf and, and Berlin? That idea that the church will be, uh, won't be part of the... First of all, then the Bible said judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Right? But that idea that we're, we're rescued from that is a totally American idea. People in other parts of the world don't believe that it's a totally american idea so if you're so if the idea that that just being a christian saves you from that then what about the christian that is dying right now as i'm preaching the christian in syria or iraq or china or wherever the ones that are being persecuted right now and being beheaded or being hung from a tree or being tortured why doesn't that idea apply to them? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You have to grasp that in your mind before, you, before it becomes a reality. We're to prepare ourselves. When we're to prepare ourselves for that, right? By what? By preaching the good news, by preaching the gospel. I know this, is a, this isn't a... A happy, fun kind of message I'm bringing, but it's truth. It's truth. It's time to, to stop playing. It's time to stop playing. There's a... Praise God. Praise God. I, I, I have a... I didn't know if God was going to do this or not, but uh, Peter, I've got a word for you. Um, you know, Paul said, he said that when he was weak, then was he strong. And I, I, the Lord wants you to know that um, your ministry will have real power, not in the areas where you're gifted, but in the areas where you have no gifting at all. In the areas where you just have to cast that on the Lord and just, just give it to God. But I believe the, the Holy Spirit also wants you to know, you, you know, we've had a lot of great youth pastors. It's really been a succession of really good youth pastors. But God has not called you to be a babysitter or a, or, or a fun activities guy. You're called to be a pastor and to be a guide 
to the sheep. And I know that's difficult with youth because they like having fun. But they can have fun anywhere, right? You're to God. And how they spend their youth, how they spend their time with the youth will will determine a lot of times what kind of adult Christian they are. So if, if I'm, as a youth, I'm like entertained, 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 I become an adult, it's like, where's the entertainment? How come, you know, hey, pastor didn't have it today. <laughs> what, what did you come to hear? Did you come to hear from God, or did you come to see if pastor had just a, a sermon that would tickle your ears? So, so, so I believe God's going to lead you in ways that is like he's doing a new thing. And you're going to do some new, you're just going to do it different than it's been done. And, and uh, you might take criticism for that. And there might be some people who don't like it, but, don't, but just follow God. And I honestly believe that everything I'm saying to you right now, God's already told you. You know, this is just confirmation. It's nothing new. It's a new, th- it'll be a new thing to us, but, it, but God's already been dealing with you. Praise God. There is no crossless Christianity. There's no, there's no Christianity without the cross. If, if you have a Christianity that doesn't have the cross, you're just playing at church. You're just, you might join the Eagles or the Moose Club. Or if you just want fellowship, if you just want to hang out with people, that's not what this is about. This is, a, this is the, the deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow me. I was, I was telling you about like, seeing this stuff on, on TV that it really makes me want to give up television. But I was watching this guy, and he's saying, he's saying uh, send me $100 or 160 or $250, and I will pray, and God will give you your breakthrough. He will, you will get your miracle. You will get your this. And I'm like, if you're such a man of God, why can't you pray without the 100 bucks? Right? What did, what did Peter say? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. I understand seed faith. I understand how that works. But pe- there are men out there, spots and wrinkles upon the, the church, that are man- try- just manipulating people for money. Don't give those places. Just use some discernment, please. Don't give there. Listen, I can give you a thousand good places to send your money, right? There are missionaries out there who are going hungry. You know that, you know that, uh, that scripture, I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me, right? I learned when I was a baby Christian, well, there was this great guy, his name was Ted Baxendale. He was our teacher, but he was also a songwriter, but he would take scriptures and put them to music. So it's like Psalms only, but like but we had the music to it. And so we learned a lot of scriptures by singing them. And that was the one they have. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, and it was like, that's a good, I've heard that preached a lot. It's truth and it's good and it's, it's grace. But you know what it says right before that scripture? Paul says, I know how to, you know, he, he uh, let me see if I can just, let me find that, because I, I think I wrote that down here. Yeah, 
He says, I know how to be abased. I know about. I know how to go hungry, and I know how to, to feast. I know how to, how to be poor, and I know how to leave. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So half the things that he could do through Christ who strengthens me was go hungry and be poor and be abased. But, if, but that scripture isn't being taught that way. It's only being taught with the benefits, like the good stuff. I can do all things. I can do all this good stuff. Not suffering. I can do all things. I can suffer. God prepares us, right? A lot of times God just prepares us. He, he, you know, and, and that is that denying yourself. Learn to deny yourself. Just try it out. You know? when, when you've pressed into the presence of God, it changes everything about you. It changes how you spend your money. It changes how you spend your time. And you'll find, your, you'll find yourself going, I don't need that. I don't need that. That's just a distraction in my life. About a year and a half uh, ago, the Lord said to me, Jim, lighten the load. Lighten the load. And I'm like, all right. And I'm still even working out. Like what? And, and I'm like, you know what? I got too much stuff. I just have too much stuff. And, and so I've been like giving stuff away and just sometimes just throwing stuff away, you know. But I've been, I've been lighting the load. And, and I started to realize, like, what if God told me to move? Right? What if God said, Jim, I want you to go to the Philippines? Right? Could, how easily could I do that? Could I do that really easily or do I just have all this stuff that I would have to deal with? Saying lighten the load. Some of lighting, lightening the load isn't stuff. Some of it is, is up here. <laughs> There's just some things that we carry around we don't have to carry around. You really don't. You know, if you, if, if, if you spend half of your time watching Fox News, you need to lighten the load. <laughs> Now, I can, you know, Fox is kind of better than some of the other ones. But really, if you watch Fox News all day, you're just going to end up depressed. <laughs> Lighten the load. Spend that time in God's Word. And, you know, and when you, when you uh, see things in God's Word, you start to draw conclusions about things. They're God's conclusions. You know, there's sometimes we draw conclusions about stuff, and we're not really seeing deep into what the cause of it. We're just seeing the, the effect. We're just seeing what happens, the fruit of something, but we don't really see the root of the problem. But you get into God's Word, you start to see, you start to see things for, for how they really are. I was... Uh, I, I know this, this, uh, this um, when, when I first became a Christian, I found out that there was, uh, Ephesians 4.11 says, and, and God gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, I'm a, this is, I got saved in 1974, and I'm looking around, I see evangelists, there's like Billy Graham out there. And, you know, you go to church, and they have evangelists come in. And I got a pastor, and I, I got teachers. 
But where are these apostles and prophets? Like, where are they? Because the Bible says that the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Well, there's a bunch of denominations that say we don't have apostles and prophets anymore. As soon as we got the canon of the scriptures together, then we didn't need them anymore. Does that just, am I the only one that that just sounds like absurd reasoning? Yeah. Right? So, so when they decided what was scripture and what was not, and they put it all together into one book, okay, all you apostles and prophets can go home. Like, we don't need you. Because we got, uh, we got printing press now. Like we, got, we got all that together. We don't need apostles and prophets. And I look around and I look at the culture I live in and I'm like, we need apostles and prophets more than ever. And I'm talking about the real thing too, not just a self-proclaimed apostle and prophet. Because there's plenty of those. But Paul said, I'm an apostle not, not of man or by man, but of God. Like God gave me this calling. I know there's, there's people, they, they, they claim titles for themselves. And, but I, that, that's also a part of God's cleansing, right? The sanctification. It's not just personal sanctification, but he's sanctifying the church. He's sanctifying us corporately and, he, and doing away with that stuff. You know, there's been so much, uh, you know, I remember years ago. So this is when the first guy that I realized, like, that's a prophet of God. It was David Wilkerson. Like, that's a prophet of God, right? It wasn't all, like, warm and fuzzy. He was, like, bring a warning to the church. He's like, no, this is... And, and one of the things he warned about was pastors building big churches, right? And they just, they would just, their, their congregations were under heavy debt, and they'd no sooner get out from under that debt and he, the guy pull out plans for a bigger church. Right And David Wilkerson said, you have not been called to be architects, you've been called to be shepherds. He's right. He's right. And so instead of a church getting to a certain size and going like an amoeba, like splitting into two churches, and, and being a size that a pastor can, can effectively pastor that, you know, have you ever seen a shepherd that uh, one guy... I'm talking about a real shepherd, shepherding sheep that had like 5,000 sheep. Like he couldn't keep, he couldn't keep track of them, 5,000 sheep. It'd be impossible. So we've taken on worldly models about how the church, first of all, buildings aren't even, you can't even find it in the scriptures. I mean, I like, I enjoy having a building. I join that the lights are on, you know, I enjoy that. But you can't find it in Scripture. I, I, if, the, if this building burns down today, I hope it doesn't. But if it does, we're still a church. You know, sometimes people will go, isn't it good to be in the house of God? And always under my breath I say, yeah, and it's also good to be the house of God. Right? Because honestly, this is just a house. Right? The church is the house of God. Know ye, uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Know ye not that your temple is your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Right? What's the ye are not your own? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Right? That concept is all through the Bible. The next... the. Uh, um, Uh, I just lost my train of thought. 
It kind of sucks being old. <laughs> I'll just tell you. It's... Well, one of the nice things is, is, is that it, it really does put me, uh, um, it, it's humbling. And humbling is a good thing. Right, so so I'm I'm never going to be that that sort of slick polished preacher. Uh, uh, that ship has sailed, and and it, I missed it right from the beginning anyway. So it, it wouldn't matter. Went to the wrong dock. So we're called to, we're called to godliness. We're called to holiness. Um, and we're called to be a light in darkness. All right? But, but Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right? Didn't say go in all the churches and preach the gospel to every creature. But go into, into the world and preach the gospel. That's a hard word. That's a hard word. All right? So that means abortion mills, and it means strip clubs, and it means... Now, I'm not saying you have to go in the strip club, but I've been outside a strip club with the gospel. Uh, um, uh, Pastor Dunphy, in, uh, he's, got, he's got a little church in the central Ohio, and he just, the word of God just touched him, and he said, and it, like, so where, what does that mean for me? I'm out here in Amish country. Like, well, there was a strip club out in the middle of Amish country. It's, like, it's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's out there, and, and it's like you go there and you minister the gospel, and, and Amish buggies are going by. There's a strip club. But he said, well, like, well, you know, I don't have to go to, this is like five miles from our church. That's my mission field. Sometimes we think that that uh, we're called to invite people to church. That's not the Great Commission. It's a good idea. It's a good thing to invite people to church. But they should hear the gospel before you ever get them there. All right? Share the gospel with them. Listen, sometimes that's intim- the idea of sharing the gospel is intimidating. You know, um, I, I just think of it this way. Um, you know, I, I, I talked a little bit about when I got saved. I was a hippie when I got saved. I got saved on the street. It was on the corner of Cedar and Riverside in, in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so two years later, I come to Dayton, and I get involved in the street ministry called The Well. So they're like, oh, you used to be a hippie. Like, you're like, you'll be like good at this, right? And they're just like put a bunch of tracks in my hand and just shoved me out the door. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know how to do this. I was intimidated by it. The idea of it just sort of intimidated me. Like, can I have a class on this? Or like, is there some training, please? And, but listen, think about what a witness is, like in court, right? When, you go, when you're called to be a witness in court, they're, all they're going to ask you to do is to say what you know, what you've seen, what you've heard, and what you know. They don't want to know what, what uh, Jen knows. Like, I can't go in and go, well, Jen saw a guy run out of the bank. And they go, well, we don't care. We're like, we want to know what you saw, right? So your witness 
is what Jesus Christ did for you. It's that simple. Like as soon as you got saved, you had a witness. You had something to say about what Jesus did for you. It's that easy. It really is that easy. But we think we, we, we overcomplicate it. We make it harder than it has to be. I was saying about going into all the world, um, Oasis House, that's a hard ministry. But it's, that's taking grace and truth. You know, there's a lot of people who go, um, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. You know, well, find, find your tribe and join it, right? Because like, what was it? Thursday we went out and, uh, and uh, worked with that uh, ministry that distributes food, uh, BOG, BOG Ministries. And I can't tell you how much fun that was for me. All right, because it was it was a it was a real grace. I'm so involved in truth ministry, where people are cussing you out and giving you the finger, like that. To go and do something where everybody like pats you out of the back, it's kind of fun. Like like, <laughs> I'm used to like somebody like you know uh, being mad at me because I'm shining light in their darkness, but the church is called to do both things, right? Grace and truth. Right, so so if it, it, your tribe might be that, handing out food to people, sharing the gospel, and, but but actually meeting their needs. You know, they they have real needs, and they what they need is food. A friend of mine was uh, in downtown Chicago, and he was witnessing, and this guy comes up to him. He said, "Hey, I need seventy five cents." And my friend thought, hey, this would be a good segue to share the gospel. And he's talking about how, how God's grace is, salvation is a free gift. And he's going on, and the guy goes, I know salvation is a free gift. I need 75 cents. <laughs> it's good to meet people's physical needs. It's a good thing. Jesus fed 5,000 people. Right? He did that more than once, by the way. That just that wasn't a one-time occurrence where, where he fed a multitude. Um, I think we look first to people's spiritual needs. I mean, that's, you know, that's, it's a determining factor. Like, like I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to go to heaven. It's, it's more important than filling your belly. But sometimes people need something in their belly. You know, it's hard to hear when your stomach is growling. Part of a, a, a ministry of truth as well, in Ephesians uh, 5, it says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things that are done in, in secret. So, so the word reproof means expose, right? So we're to, we're to expose the words of, works of darkness. We live in a society where Political correctness is the, you know, don't offend anybody. Don't, don't, you know, it's just like political correctness is not scriptural. The most unpolitically correct person that ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus himself, right? He was always making people mad. He wasn't making them mad on purpose, but just the light that he was shed that light into his darkness, 
So, so we live in a culture that is always trying to stop the light. They're really just trying to shut you up. You know, they're just trying to shut you up. But you have to, and no, I believe in the, in the country we live in, in the culture we live in, there'll be more and more of a price to pay for that. So I'm just saying, be ready for it. You know, get ready for it. Um, you can be, you, there, there are things in your life that get, re, get you ready for it now. How, how many people here are veterans, like you were in the military? Okay, we got a number of them. When you went into basic training, did, did that first morning that you were in basic training, did, did the, the, uh, the, the drill sergeant come up and say, Joseph, 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 when you, after you've had your coffee, and when you get around to it, could you please? No. No. That's not the way it is. And do you know why they make it rough? Because someday you're going into combat. Right? You need so so in basic training you learn to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow the sergeant. <laughs> right? So deny yourself, take up your rifle, and follow the sergeant. But it's really it's the same concept, right? Because you're both might maybe going to your death, right? Even in both situations. So that's a serious situation, right? So they treat it seriously from day one. Before that first morning, actually, you step off the bus, and they're in your face, right? And they're hardening you. They're training you. They're getting you ready. So we can do things to deny ourselves, right? Put yourself through a little bit of a spiritual boot camp, right? And, and, and take those risks and take those challenges and, and suffer. It's not a, you know, suffering is a choice, it really is a choice. Like a lot of times we think, well, persecution is coming on the church and like I'll suffer if I gotta. <laughs> a friend I was talking to a friend of mine and he's he's getting all worried about what might what may come and he's he watches these like prepper shows, you know. And he's talking and I said I, I said, Man, I said if all of those things happen that they predict are going to happen, will you run into the woods and hide? Or will you run into the city and begin to minister the gospel? He's like, I'll run into the city. Like, of course you will. We're not called to avoid suffering. We're called a fellowship. We're called a fellowship with, with Jesus' suffering. It's a, it's a, you know, it's amazing. If you look at the writings of Christians, like in the first century, it's a, it's, and they were being martyred all over the place. And there's a couple of letters that they found from people who were worried that they weren't going to be martyred. Like, you, they, they saw it as such a privilege to die for Jesus that they were afraid they were just going to die peacefully. Isn't that amazing? Like I like I I'm not at that level of commitment yet. Like I'm I'm striving to that. 
You know, I, I'm striving for that. <coughs> but they'd been through some things. They'd been through a crucible. They'd been through areas where they... <coughs> not only They were denying themselves and not denying Jesus. You know, that's going on in the world today. That's going on in places today. I have a... <coughs> I don't know if... Thank you. It's not fun being old. I shouldn't say I'm old. What if I live to be like 110 or something? I'm, I'm, very, I'm just a little over halfway there. Middle-aged. Praise God. Oh, what was I talking about? Martyrdom. Yes, yes. We're called, we're called to, to deny ourselves, take, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. 